Griggs house and we are sitting in a place where we believe is a prime gathering place for Christians and for non-Christians to come to. So we are trying to develop leaders and to just minister to our neighbors. Hi, we're Justin and Tia McIntyre and we live in Wankayo, Peru. We have recently arrived in Wankayo. Our ministry currently consists of developing relationships with locals here, with our neighbors. Uh, we hope to see Bible study groups start uh, in 2017 and begin uh, discipling people that we get to know here and build relationships with. This is Gasol family. We are working the community of Nkarama, bringing hope and faith among those kids who are at risk. In 2017, we are hoping to continue working with the local church to grow even bigger. We are also hoping that we will be able to rescue more kids who are at risk. We're the Steencoms, and we live in Stellenbosch, South Africa. Our main ministry focus is with university students and the underprivileged youth. We reach these two groups mostly through tennis, which we use as a tool to teach them about the Bible, as well as leadership skills and life skills. From these tennis teams and groups, we form missional communities, also known as house churches, where we can invest into them more on a spiritual level. Hi, this is Nikki Wallace. We live in Denver, Colorado. Southern Hills supports us as we minister among homeless youth and young adults living on the streets of Denver. We have big plans for 2017 with the new job training program at the Roaster for Purple Door, our new office space, we're still working on the transition home that we're building. We've got a lot of big things on the line this year, so thank you so much Southern Hills for all that you mean to us, the Wallace family. We want to thank all of you at Southern Hills for your tremendous support over the past year, the messages, packages, and phone calls that you've given us. And the community we have with you makes this transition much easier. We just want to thank God who's working through Southern Hills Church of Christ's family to uh, support our ministry in Rwanda. And I want to express on behalf of Patty and I our incredible gratitude for your generosity in taking care of us and sending us cards, your prayers, and the recent visits from the mission committee. We are just really grateful. God bless you. From the depths of our hearts, we want to say thank you, Southern Hills. Uh, without you, this is not possible at all. This is truly a team effort, working together in God's kingdom. So thank you very, very much. It always does my heart really good to get to see just a little bit from our missionary families. It does my heart even more good to be able to spend more time with them. Uh, I was blessed this year uh, to go to, to Live Beyond and get to see uh, front row ministry to, to Haitian families who are in desperate need. Uh, and it changes you to be a part of that. And so I hope that you find those kinds of, of moments where we get to witness what God is doing through families that, that mean the world to us, families who we love. We, we just get to be reminded of what matters the most. Uh, when you leave this morning, uh, you'll notice that these uh, strips of magnets are available. Um, you can either, e either leave them in one long strip like this, or you can cut them up uh, into five pieces. That's our missionary families. Uh, put them on the fridge. We have uh, the, the magnets from last year on our refrigerator, and that means every time I go in there to get some Bluebell, I see them, and I pray for them. Uh, and our girls get to see their pictures and pray for them as well. So I just want to 
just encourage you to pick up one of these uh, magnet strips on your way out this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the fact that he lived for and calls us to live for your mission. And this morning, God, as we gather together on what we call our Harvest Sunday, we pray that you would powerfully call us, invite us, inspire us to find out where it is that you want us to grow, where you want us to, to open our hearts to and, and what you want us to do to say in your name for the sake of your world. God, we confess that there's all kinds of, of concerns and worries that sometimes get in the way of us being the kinds of people that, that really make the kind of difference you want us to make in this world and, and on behalf of your son. And so we just pray that you would help us to have courage and to have deeper faith and better understanding. God, we want to be your people, your kingdom people. And so we pray that you would help us to become that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's always good to be with you. It's especially good to be with you on Harvest Sunday. This is my third Harvest Sunday to get to be a part of here at Southern Hills. And I have learned throughout those years that this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Because for the entire worship service, we focus our hearts on what we believe to be one of our core key commitments as a church family. And and core commitments, you know, it's not that that we need them to be uh, redefined or changed or, or altered. It's, it's usually that we just need to be reminded. We need to let those core commitments be something that we fall in love with again. And we have always believed as a church that one of our core commitments is to do our very best to faithfully partner with God in God's unfolding mission to seek and save all those people in this world who for one reason or another are lost. That, that that drives us. That, that that's a dream that, that we don't believe we made up. That, that we don't believe that, that we're the ones who came up with this idea of seeking and saving people in our world who, who have lost themselves or who have lost their way. That we want to be a church that joins God in helping people be found. Now, you and I don't get to have any sort of of arrogance or, or something that we get to boast about that, that we happen to be found first. But we absolutely need to be people who join God in helping other people be found, helping other people be discovered, and helping them rediscover their priceless worth, their glorious dignity that, that they are given the dignity that belongs to them because of our Heavenly Father. We, we live in a world where sometimes it's easy for us to start to think that some people, for whatever reason, matter more than others. But the gospel always wakes us up. The gospel calls us back to the truth that Jesus did not come to this earth and live and give his life and rise again on the third day for just some select group of people but that Jesus comes and lives and dies and rises again for every single person who has ever lived and lives now and ever will live. That it's not just for me, it's not just for you, but it's for everyone. And then we have to wrestle with, okay, what do we do then? 
If we're living our lives to a great degree as if my life matters more than anyone else's life or or you think your life matters more than anyone else's life, how do we recapture this gospel truth that all life is sacred, that all life matters, that everybody is, is called not only to be loved by God, but to extend that love, God's love, to each other. We're Christ followers. And that means that we don't get to just live any way we want to, but we have committed to live the Jesus way of life. And we don't get to redefine that way of life so that it it fits our own sense of how life should go. We we don't get to live just any way of life and then label it as as the Christ way of life. We have to immerse not just our bodies, but our, our souls, our hearts, our imaginations in how to get our lives closer and closer to the life of Jesus. And the way we do that is by coming again over and over to the story of Jesus, to the gospel story that we find in Scripture. Open your Bible up to Matthew chapter 9. As we think about what is this Jesus way of life, what does it look like? Matthew 9, starting in verse 35. Jesus traveled among all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were troubled and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. The size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. So plead with the Lord of the harvest. These words of Jesus are the words that that give us the name for this, this special Sunday every year in the life of our church. I mean, this is the day where we want to be a a congregation, a community of people who plead with the Lord of the harvest to help us understand how we can always, every single year, how we can always play a bigger role in this amazing and good work. We're calling it this year a, a team effort because we want every single person in our church to be able to answer the question, what is my role in God's mission? All of us should have some sense of how God is, is, is asking us to serve, how God is asking us to work, how God is inviting us to be a part of, of bringing this kingdom of heaven into the lives of everybody on the face of this earth. What is your role in God's mission? Can you answer that question? Now, I have found throughout my life that it's not good enough for me to have an answer to that question once. But I have to, moment by moment, day by day, month by month, year by year, ask the question, what is it in this moment that God is calling me to do and to be for the sake of his mission? Sometimes that answer comes easy. Other times I have to struggle with it to figure out what exactly should I say? What exactly should I do? But this reminder that this harvest is is God's, that this mission is God's. That's such an important place to start. And so this morning, that's that's where we're going to rest our hearts. We have this, this amazing opportunity 
to be enlisted into this mission. And the first thing I want to I make clear to you is that even though we may not always want to think about it, the truth is that the opportunity we have to reach other people with the good news of the inbreaking kingdom of God, the opportunity is always bigger than our willingness to meet that opportunity. Jesus says that the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. The opportunity is always bigger than our willingness to meet it. It is bigger than our hopes. God's harvest, God's mission is bigger than us. Bigger than our dreams, bigger than our fears, bigger than our plans, bigger than our sacrifices that we may have already made, uh, bigger than the amount of effort and money and, and energy we've already poured into it. The mission, the harvest is always bigger. It's always greater. It's always more. And I don't know about you, but I want a life that is about more. And not just more for me. I, I, I don't want to just be a part of something that, that I can feel proud about or something that I can say, look at what we did. I, I want my life to be about what God wants my life to be about. I want the life of this church to be about what God wants the life of this church to be about. And I want us to be willing to admit that more often than not, the only thing holding us back is us. And are we willing to confess that? And then are we willing to wrestle with what, what could the future look like if we would overcome our own limitations and trust that God, God's future is in his hands and not ours? That the world's future is in God's hands and not ours? And that it is our choice whether we want to join with God in bringing that future about or we can sit on the sidelines and say, I've already done enough. I've already gone enough places. I've already given enough money. I've already done enough. Somebody else can do something now. I have a hard time envisioning Jesus ever talking that way, ever thinking that way, ever acting that way. The harvest is bigger than you can imagine, Jesus says. I want a life that's defined by something more than just my own personal happiness. I, I want a life that's, that's lived for more than just what I want for myself and my family. I, I, want, I want a life. I, I want all of us to have lives that are defined by and shaped by and lived for the sake of others and their desperate need to have a loving and meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. In just four verses, Matthew gives us a glimpse in, into what we can do, right? The, the practices, the behaviors, the actions that allow you and I to help in the harvest. We, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to spend years and years trying to rack our brains, figuring out the answer to the question, what are the core tasks of helping in the harvest? Matthew tells us the first core task that Matthew mentions is traveling. I hate to break it to you, but the harvest is never conveniently located, it, it doesn't exist inside our comfort zones. The harvest always demands that you and I get up and go somewhere to push beyond where we are right now, to push beyond the relationships we have right now. We, we are called to always go to new places and to encounter new people 
Now, that may mean for you that you, you travel from one cubicle to the next or one street over or across town. Or like our missionary families, that you pack up and go thousands of miles away from the place that you call home. The distance we travel isn't nearly as important as whether or not we travel. Whether or not we're willing to go. To go from here to there. No matter where there happens to be. The second core task that Matthew talks about helping in the harvest is teaching. Now, for Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, that mainly looks like Jesus going all over the ancient Judean countryside, teaching in their synagogues men and women and children of faith who have gathered together and who are wrestling with what it means to be God's people, to be caught up in what God is doing, to have lives that are defined and shaped and marked by God's mission. See, it turns out that by default, church communities are focused on survival, our own survival. That by default, church communities, we think about ourselves. And so we need people who have the courage to stand up and call us to something beyond ourselves, to remind us that the mission is about us, but it's never only about us. That, that we weren't just saved from something, but we've been saved for something. We've, we've been saved for a purpose, and that is to help other people encounter that purpose. And, and it's not even that we just want to become a community that goes out and does a lot of things and serves a lot of people unless we, we keep close to our hearts, why we're serving. We're not doing this to to impress ourselves or anybody else. We're not doing this to accomplish things and say, look at what we've accomplished. We are doing all of this because we have a missionary God who asks us to be missionaries. We have a God who isn't done looking and searching yet and, and doesn't want a church that decides it's done looking and searching, but rather wants churches filled with people who are willing to do whatever it takes to not only go out and serve or reach or whatever, but to go out and do all that we do for Jesus, for the reasons Jesus wants us to, to do those things for. And I promise you, unless we have times in our life, like this Sunday morning, where we gather together and we open up God's word and we're reminded of the core values that we share, if we don't have those moments, we will have mission drift. We'll forget. We may be busy, but we'll forget who we're serving. And so... Teaching becomes an important part of mission. The third thing that, that Matthew talks about, this, this way we can help in the harvest, well, it's, it's announcing. Announcing the good news of the kingdom. Now, you already know that there's all kinds of people in Abilene and beyond who don't already go to church. And so they're not going to voluntarily walk in here on a Sunday morning and listen to our teaching. But they do need to encounter the good news of the kingdom. And when they encounter God's will unfolding on earth as it is in heaven, that's what the kingdom looks like. Wherever it happens, it's God's will on earth as it is in heaven, when that happens, they need to be pointed in the right direction. They need to know who to thank. 
It's not us. It's God's kingdom. And so when we encounter other people, and when we share life with other people, we help point them in the right direction. And that direction is always beyond us. I, I want us to be a church that wrestles with understanding that when we first encounter people who don't yet have faith, that we, we don't have the impulse to try to teach them into faith from the very beginning. That, that comes a little later. The first encounter that people have with the goodness of the kingdom, that comes with an announcement. It's, it's not just a definition or an exploration of an idea. And so we don't just describe or theologically extrapolate what it means to, to have a God who loves and cherishes people. But no, we start by making God's love real. And when we've loved somebody well enough that they ask us why, then we announce the good news of the kingdom. The next thing that Matthew talks about when it comes to what does it mean to help in the harvest, he uses the word healing. And he says, healing every sickness and every disease. There isn't enough time for us to list all the ways that our world is broken and breaks us. You cannot be alive without getting hurt. That's, that's just the facts. And, and every single one of us, we're wounded and we're scarred. For some of us, the... The woundedness that we have is out in the open for everybody to see. And for others of us, we're able to hide the unhealthy places in our lives, our unhealthy conditions. But no matter who we are, whether our woundedness is on the outside or on the inside, all of us are broken and all of us need fixing that only God can perform. You and I can't make that kind of healing happen on command, but we can expect it. We can anticipate it. We can partner with it. We can do whatever it is that we can think of to join with God in helping the the healing power from heaven come crashing into people's lives. You and I can, we can, we can do whatever we can think of to, to open up space in our world for God's goodness and wholeness to enter in. And to transform us and everybody else. Healing isn't the only way, but it is one of the best ways for other people to experience the good news of the kingdom. And the last thing that Matthew talks about in helping the harvest is praying. And it's a very particular kind of praying in in Matthew chapter 9. It's not just polite discourse with God, it's pleading. It's begging. Now, I want you to think about all the times in your prayer life when you have begged God for something. Too often in my life, when I beg God for something, it's about blessing me directly. That's not what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 9 when he says, plead with God, beg God to do what? to send out workers into the harvest, to care for people who don't yet have a a loving and meaningful relationship with God and a church community, 
pleaded, plead, beg. Get on your knees and beg for God to work powerfully to reach those people who haven't yet been reached. This isn't our mission. This isn't our harvest. Nobody in this room gets to say they're the Lord of the harvest. That's God. We are servants who need the Spirit's guidance. We are workers who need God's instruction. We are Christ followers who need, once again, to look more carefully at where Jesus went and who he served so that we can imitate Jesus, so that we can actually follow in Jesus' footsteps. So we pray. We don't, we don't think all of this rests on our shoulders We pray, and we wait, and in the moment that God opens up an opportunity, we don't just pray for the opportunity to reach people we've never been able to reach before, because I believe those opportunities are already open to us. I think what we pray for in addition to opportunity is the willingness to meet the opportunity. Not just for God to open a door, but for us as a church to walk through that door and into the lives of people who don't have the courage or may not feel like they're welcome here, who will not walk through those doors themselves, we had better have the willingness to go outside of those walls, outside of those doors, outside of all those places in our lives where we're just far too comfortable and we're, we're far too focused on ourselves and our church's survival or, or our church growing so that it can make us feel better that our auditorium is more full. None of that is what God is wanting for us. God wants us to trust. And we need to pray to have a trust that moves more than our hearts but moves our lives, that helps us get up and go somewhere to reach people who we don't yet know how to reach. One of the the things that I want to warn against, because I've seen churches wrestle with this before, I've, I've seen Christians wrestle with this reality, it is not helpful when we try to take a list like this from, from Matthew and we start to to pick which aspect of sharing in the mission that we would rather focus on to the exclusion of the others. Right, where we just pick one or two that we're, we feel better at or better equipped at, and we say, well, we'll just focus on the teaching part, or, or we'll just focus on the praying part, and we'll let other people worry about the other things. This especially happens with healing. I, I hear well-intentioned church people all the time say, you know, our job is to focus mainly on people's spiritual lives, and we'll let other people deal with, with the physical hurts that people have in their lives. That's not, that's not what Jesus' mission looked like. It's not what Jesus' mission looks like. I've, I've seen other groups decide that none of the rest of it matters. The only thing that matters is breaking into people's lives who are hurting and, and helping them. Right? That, that's not enough either. People don't just need physical healing. They need spiritual healing. They need a spiritual encounter with God and with God's people. And so I just want to warn us, you and I don't get to pick and choose which aspect of this mission God is calling our church to. It's all of it. And yeah, some of us are going to be better at it than others, but none of us gets to say, well, I care about this, and I don't care much about the other parts of what God is, is calling us to be and do as a church. Now, why do we do all these things? Well, Matthew gives us that insight as well. Jesus looks out, 
and he has compassion because the people who he's looking at are helpless and lost like sheep without a shepherd. Why do we, why do we embrace God's mission? Why do we engage God's mission? It's not because we think we know better. It's not because it makes us feel better if we're able to list all of the accomplishments our church has been able to do in the last year or even how much we've been able to give in the last year. That's, that's not what's really driving us foundationally. We don't engage embracing God's mission because we want to control other people or because we want to control all the outcomes in other people's lives. We engage, we embrace God's mission because we care. Because we care with the same compassion that drives Christ. That Christ's compassion is our compassion. And we don't take any pride in having been found first, but we care about all those people who haven't yet been found. And we want them to know, not just theoretically, we want them to know experientially that they are loved and cherished and that God hasn't given up on them and neither have we. We do all these things because of compassion. So just in the span of four verses, Matthew gives us this this really full-bodied image of, of what it would look like for us as a people to let God's mission not just drive us but define us, not just inspire us but to shape us. And on this morning, as a church, we remind ourselves of that. We find our center again. We don't treat missions like it's some optional thing that churches do when they have a little bit of extra money lying around. No, each year our international missions team prayerfully sets a goal and every year that goal keeps getting bigger and bigger and every year we get to go. And some of us get to lead. And so many of us get to be a part of of seeing on the front lines, what it looks like for the kingdom of God to transform the kingdoms of this world. In a world where we can sometimes think that some of us matter more than others, the gospel reminds us that all life is sacred and all life matters. And that isn't somebody else's story, it's our story. It isn't someone else's song, it's our song. And we don't just sing it with our our mouths or even with our hearts, but we sing that gospel song with our lives. So we're about to to give. And I kind of want to walk you through the pledge card. If you haven't already looked it over, if if you don't have one, there should be one in the pew rack right in front of you. It's, It's a pretty simple pledge card. On the top it says... I or we would like to pray for Let's Go Trips and Southern Hills missionaries. I would sincerely hope every single person in this room can say that I'm going to pray for God's mission. Then the next part of the card talks through giving. And some of you may choose to give all of what you're going to give to missions right here in this morning. But others of us uh, choose to break out our giving over the year. Last year, our goal was 300,000. I think given in pledge was 322,000, and we've actually collected more than that number as of this morning. 
So one of the ways that we can give sacrificially is not all at once, but to plan to give sacrificially in the coming year. The next uh, section on the card is I want to go on a mission trip in 2017 too. Now, if you've never gone on a mission trip before, I really want to encourage you this year to think about going. To think about stepping outside of that comfort zone. Right? To travel in Jesus' name. Uh, it, it even indicates that if you, you, you know you want to go, but you don't have a choice yet of where to go, you don't even have to write down the name of a destination. You can write your name down, and someone will contact you and talk you through the various places that, that you could go this year, and, and you can make a decision, an informed decision there. And then the last is that if you've gone before on a mission trip, you kind of know the ropes, and you know the neighborhoods, and you know the people, and you want to lead a group of our folks there, that you get to be a part of that, and, and you could be the leader of that group. We don't get to outsource God's mission. We just don't. We want to be a church whose heart is captured by the mission of God. And in order for that to happen, we have to be individual church members whose hearts are captured by the mission of God. And in a moment, we're going to be able to, to place our gifts and these pledge cards in to the, the baskets as they come by. And, and I just, I would hope that as we think about financial giving and financial sacrifice, that it wouldn't be instead of a life sacrifice, but it would be an extension of what we're willing to give for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to ask Bobby if he would to join me on the stage and... He's going to say a few words, and then he's going to pray over the harvest offering. And so if you're going to help us pass that out, if you could uh, prepare to do that. Thanks, Bobby. Good morning. In 2016, it's estimated that there's about 6 billion, with a B, people in the world today. If you look at the religious demographics of that six billion people, it breaks out this way. There's about 2.2 billion people in the world today who profess Christianity to be what they believe in, that they have as a common denominator their belief in Christ, that they believe that Jesus is God's son, and that's who they are. The second largest demographic group in the world today religiously is Islam. There's about 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. It's estimated that by the year 2020, Islam will overtake Christianity as the leading numerical religion in the world. And number three, religiously speaking, affiliated are those that don't believe. Over 1.1 billion people in the world say they don't believe in Jesus, they've rejected him, or they've never heard his name. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? The Apostle Paul, greatest missionary that ever lived, had a lot to say about that in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, he said that through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. More eloquently, I think he put it in the, in the, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I want to read 
a couple of passages there to you. He said, now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating the world through us, we beg you then on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be a sin offering on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I think he also very eloquently put it in the book of Romans, chapter 10. My, my personal favorite passage about mission work. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This morning, the international missions team is unashamedly and boldly asking this church to give sacrificially. More importantly, Christ is asking you to give sacrificially. We are his ambassadors. He is working through us. So I'm begging you this morning on behalf of a broken and lost world and on behalf of Jesus, please, church, continue to have beautiful feet. Have beautiful feet. Let's take the, the message of Christ to a world so in need of it. Will you pray with me? Our Lord God, we are indeed awed and humbled to be your ambassadors, that you have given your sacred trust to us to go into all the world, to give and to go and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Father, just as the Apostle Paul in his great hymn to the Philippians in chapter 2 told us, equality with God was not something that Jesus grasped for. He had it, but he emptied himself and made himself a servant and came down to give all that he had so that we could have the chance to live with you someday. Father, help us to empty ourselves, to give all we have on behalf of Christ. And this morning, Father, as we get ready to give, I pray, God, that we would empty ourselves of the unbelievable financial blessings that you have given us that we, could, we would sacrificially look at ourselves and look at the lost and broken world that you have trusted us to reconcile and to do what we can on behalf of your son to be his ambassador. Father, I thank you for this church, for their missional heart, for their sacrificial giving, 
And Father, we just, we ask that you would bless this gift that we're going to give to you today, that through it, many, many, many would be added into your kingdom. That many souls become to hear of your son, to believe in him, to profess him, and that someday we can look and see in heaven those that are there because of the generosity and giving that we have done this day. Father, there's not words enough to thank you for who you are, to love us enough to send your son. There's not words enough to thank Jesus for emptying himself, for leaving your side. And, and even though he remained what he was, fully God, he assumed what he was not, a human being for our sake and on our behalf. Father, bless this giving, and we thank you for this day. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.